0: or complete terms.
3: KFI AM 640. You're listening to the John and Ken show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. We're live on the radio from one till four and after four o'clock, what'd you miss? Huh? If you miss something, you go to the podcast, John and Ken on demand on the iHeart app.
5: All right, well, we're going to get right into it because we have a special interview over the weekend. News came out that the Unabomber is dead. Remember that story between 1978 and 1995, Someone was mailing bombs to people around the country Uh, when they finally caught up with them. He was identified as Ted Kaczynski, the man who lived in a sparse cabin in Montana. And of course, the motivation was allegedly his hatred of the modern world and technology. Three people were killed. Twenty three others were wounded. He was serving eight life sentences for these bombs he died, and then we learned about a day later that it, it, suicide, 81 years old at first, I thought it might be natural causes because they had transferred him from a federal prison in Colorado to like a medical, federal medical facility, and I thought maybe because he was going downhill, but they're now saying well, he killed himself. He had late-stage cancer.
3: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, maybe so, that's
5: why he killed himself.
3: Uh, and and he sent the bombs to either university professors or airline executives.
5: And I just learned, hence the name Unabomber. That's right. For University Airlines. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So we're going to talk now with... um, Jonathan Epstein. uh, Yes, we're going to talk with Jonathan Epstein. His his
5: father was one of the victims. His father did survive the bombing, but it was atrocious. His father was Dr. Charles Epstein, a University of California at San Francisco geneticist.
3: All right, let's get uh, Jonathan Epstein on. Jonathan, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for
6: having
5: me. Yeah, one of the things I just read in the story about you, Jonathan, is you were hoping that that was your last interview you were going to do about this, but you agreed to come on our show. We appreciate that. (laughs) Thank
3: you
6: for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That statement was a little premature, perhaps.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been interest in this for almost 30 years now, ever since the world became aware of the Unabomber. And actually, his bombings go back, what, about 45 years. Um, So you've been living with this you know, a a big percentage of your life. Did you have a particular reaction when you heard he was dead?
6: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I was, I initially felt glad about the news. Um, It's not great when anyone dies in in general, but, you know, my hope was what prompted my statement about interviews is that we'd we'd finally be able to put this chapter of our lives together. to a close. It's, you know, it's been a while. It's been 30 years. My father was the age I am now when this happened.
5: Yeah, let's talk about that. And your father, of course, has since passed away, but he did survive this bombing. What did he do at UCSF?
6: So my father was head of um, human genetics. He started out his career um, bringing um, health care out to rural areas, in particular the amniocentesis procedure, which was new at the time. Um, but he ended up developing a, a specialty in Down syndrome and really trying to understand how having an extra chromosome uh, manifested the way it did. And as part of that, uh, instituted uh, the first um, people that did genetic counseling who helped parents that uh, had or were, would potentially have um, children that had um, you know, not the normal set of chromosomes and helped them get through that. Uh, experience.
5: It, it sounds like he was doing remarkable research. The Unabomber picking out your father, I mean, it puzzles you too, right?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, he was he was mentioned and my father was, you know, used a lot as a source. And so he was quoted in a New York Times a story. I'm not sure what that story it was. It might have been about genetic engineering, which was something very new that he had nothing to do with this. So it, we always felt Um, that, you know, Kaczynski hadn't done his homework. If he he was trying to achieve the objectives he had stated in his manifesto, he he picked a guy that was focused on doing good with science and also bringing the benefits of science uh, and technology to, you know, the full population, not just the elites.
3: What happened to your dad the uh, day he got this bomb?
6: Yeah, so... um, he was alone at home. I think uh, my sister had brought in the package and he opened it up, and it blew up. The bomb was designed to maim, not kill, for which we're, you know, fortunate relatively, I guess. Um, he had thick glasses on, so it probably saved his eyesight. Um, he lost fingers. He had a lot of internal injuries. Essentially, opened it at kind of waist level. Um, he, and we know this by stacking the. The blood trail he stumbled out of the kitchen but it went the wrong way and then went out of the front door. Of the house fell down in our driveway and the neighbors had heard the blast and they came and,
3: did he have you know, a, did he have long-term health problems uh, because of the blast outside of the the missing fingers?
6: I think um, well, he lost um, some of his hearing. Um, he had a lot of pain from the internal injuries over time, but I do feel that over. And, you know, it took years to get his hands back in shape. But, you know, by the end of his life, I think he was, you know, other than missing some hearing and not having some fingers, which isn't great when you're a cellist, um, you know, he was able to live a full life.
5: Uh now, were you, were you and your family aware of the unit bomber? I mean, the attack on your father happened a bit late in his bombing uh, history, 1993, and he was arrested a couple of years later. Were you were you aware of him being out there?
6: I was not. I'd never heard of the guy before. And my father was the first in what became the new string of bombings. So it really had no historical context. Had never heard of the, that name uh, until the FBI came calling to the house and Include us in that this this might be difficult. yeah he
5: took some time off Kaczynski did from doing this as I recall and then there was a string of them later before they caught up and arrested him that's
3: right did you uh, read his manifesto because that that consumed the whole nation when it was published published in the New York Times I think and that's what led to his yeah, capture.
6: Been- yeah, he had a distinctive writing style, to say the least. I read some of it. I have not read the, the full Manifesto.
5: How did your father feel about, uh, you know, catching Kaczynski and the punishment and all that?
6: Uh, I never really got my father's viewpoint on it. Obviously, they were glad he caught him, caught uh, Kaczyns- they caught Kaczynski. Uh, my mother was, you know, very, obviously... And and rightfully um, upset and angry about the whole thing. And she was upset that he pleaded out. She wanted him to be confronted in court by, you know, the results of his actions and felt he took the easy way out, as he may have just done so, by committing suicide.
5: Yeah. I, I We appreciate you talking about your dad. I see here also in the story we're looking at that you don't want your father to be remembered as a Unabomber victim. You want him to be remembered for what he did to, for science.
6: Yeah, it was always this kind of um, dual-edged sword. I, I think, you know, it was hard for him not to be identified in that way because he, he was a victim, and it was a, a pretty small group of people, and he was fortunate to, to survive. But my father was very, you know one of the top geneticists in the country. He went on to be the initial scientific advisor and and later the chairman of the board of trustees for the Buck Institute, which is a leading um, institute focused on age research or aging research and why why getting old does what it does to us because there was a connection between down syndrome and aging. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, he was very accomplished. He had more than 500 scientific papers to his name and, um, you know, ultimately, that and the books he wrote on medicine—that we hope will be his legacy.
5: And he was he able to continue a lot of his work after the bombing.
6: He did. After a while, uh, after you know, a couple of years of recuperating, he went back uh, to his lab, uh, and he, he actually was able to play the cello again. You know, on a personal life yeah. basis, they made special bows for him that he could hold, uh, despite his missing appendages. Um, but, yeah, he, he went full long into research, and if anything, you know, he when this happened, he was 59, my age, and was at a point in his career where he's you know, kind of wondering, hey, what's this all been for? When the, you know, the the one that's silver lining, if that's even a real thing in this case, of the incident was that he got thousands of letters from people whose lives he had positively impacted by his work in genetics and genetic counseling and i think that fueled him to do you know another 10 years of
3: yeah yeah. most people time. never get that nothing even close to it uh well listen thank you very much for coming on with us and uh, talking about your father and talking about uh, that terrible time Pe- Thanks people, for having people shouldn't get forget you know the victims in these cases Jonathan Epstein, uh, he's the son of uh, the UC San Francisco geneticist, Dr. Charles Epstein, one of the Unabomber victims. He survived the mail bomb that exploded. Uh,
5: Just a geneticist who was doing great work on Down syndrome, and uh, that's why uh, the the wild, crazy guy Kaczynski sometimes didn't... uh, Obviously, what he was doing was wild and crazy, but even picking some of his victims just seemed really remarkably uh, weird. You know, there's Uh,
3: there's a TV reporter quoted in a story... Covered the, the, the uh, court case at the time. And uh, he would look at us sitting there and nod and smile, almost like we were going to have coffee with him that day. Uh, he was just, you know, he was extremely mentally ill with this bizarre obsession. About
5: All right, blood. we got a little bit more uh, coming up next on Kaczynski. Uh, he was at one time the uh, sort of a professor. At UC Berkeley and his students, uh, most of them didn't remember him because he didn't like to talk to people. Obviously, he hated humanity. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app.
3: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. We're on the radio one till four after four o'clock. What'd you miss? Go to the iHeart app for the John and Ken podcast. And, uh... You know, one adds to the other. You do the radio show. Whatever you missed, you do the podcast.
5: All right. Well, the Unabomber is dead. He apparently killed himself in a federal medical-type prison uh, back east at the age of 81. John said, "You what, he had late-stage cancer of yeah. some kind?
3: Yeah, yeah.
5: Ted Kaczynski came from Chicago, but he does have ties to the West Coast. He was obviously a math whiz, and uh, he got a scholarship at Harvard. At 16, he went to Harvard, and then from there... He moved to the University of Michigan for an advanced degree in math. And then in 1962, he eventually landed as an assistant math professor at UC Berkeley. He was just 25 years old and on a tenure track already. Now, you had mentioned earlier that one of the reasons they were able to nab the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski is because the New York Times published his manifesto. It was his brother, David Kaczynski, who recognized the work of his own brother, and uh, basically turned him in. And that's how they tracked Ted Kaczynski down and arrested him back then. Um, There's a few memories that people came up with, but when he was a math professor at UC Berkeley, a lot of people could not remember him because he was antisocial. He didn't really want to relate to people or to anyone else. In fact, the guy that ran the department at the time had no recollection of Kaczynski being a professor there. He was just very withdrawn. He lived in a cottage behind a main residence in a quiet residential neighborhood and pretty much kept to himself. Uh, Even students complained he would not answer questions. He just read out of the textbook. (laughs) Imagine a professor that doesn't answer questions, and the idea is for, you know, students to be very inquisitive and to uh, really ask you a bunch of questions to further their learning. It's like, I didn't want to answer questions.
3: Now that I've had three sons go through college... You have no idea how many freaks are college professors are Ooh. like like out and out weirdos, and because I've seen some videos of them teaching, right? And I've have heard the stories, and these are a lot of maladjusted social outcasts who really could not exist in the real world, but they have their own little genius niche that they are obsessed with, and they can pontificate on, but. No, that 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 whole world is scary uh yeah. it really is and Kaczynski is one of the scary ones the the thing that was most fascinating and I remember I remember reading a book on Kaczynski and 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 this popped out in one of the news stories this weekend um when he was uh I guess at Harvard he was part of a psychological experiment run by a professor Henry Murray. Murray was later accused of running what amounted to a cruel human experiment on young adults. His goal was to subject them to extreme stress to see how people responded to trauma. So Kaczynski Mm -hmm. spent 200 hours in the experiment absorbing all this verbal abuse. The verbal abuse focused on each subject's weaknesses and triggers. And then you'd have to watch yourself being berated. And he spent 200 hours. I don't know if that had any effect on his on his behavior. Major, right? Gave him some kind of a breakdown. It, I mean, it, I mean, there's a great example. Who the hell would think of that?
5: Yeah. And then and then carry it out. He eventually leaves Berkeley and uh, he moves back home with his parents for a while in Illinois. But as we now know, he ended up in a cabin in Montana, and that's where they caught him in 1996. Uh, he struck California several times with bombs. In fact, they did think he had some kind of ties to UC Berkeley because there were two bombs detonated in a place called Corey Hall at Berkeley. The only location the unit bomber hit twice. And one of them was an electrical engineering professor who in 1982 picked up an item that looked like a tool in the break room. It was a pipe bomb. He was, He got wounded in the face with shrapnel. He did recover. And then in May of 85, a graduate student went to open a package left in the computer lab. That caused severe damage to the man's hand and arm. Uh, So between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski targeted California four times, twice at Cory Hall and twice in Sacramento, killing a computer store owner and a timber industry lobbyist. You can really see it was really all over the place with his targets. A computer store owner? I mean, really? Not that any of this is right, but it's like... The the bizarre madness that overtook him. Yeah.
3: Uh, He he lived in a cabin. It was 10 feet by 14 feet. Flywood
5: and tar paper, right?
3: Yeah, filled with journals, a diary written in code, explosive ingredients, two bombs. And he hated that people thought he was mentally ill, and he refused to let his lawyers defend him with an insanity defense. He eventually pleaded guilty rather than
5: plead insanity. Because with his philosophical take on what was happening to the world, he's he, not insane. We are.
3: Yeah. He thought he was right. He thought technology was was destroying the world yep. and uh, destroying humanity.
5: There was another story I read. He was corresponding with a man who wrote books. I don't know. They were travel books or something. But he asked a lot of questions about where can he find the most remote place? Mm. You know, ultimately, that's what he wanted. And it wasn't, didn't his brother also live like in a ditch for a while or he, a bunker? He lived,
3: yes, uh, underground in a bunker with a storm door as his roof. And he would pop open the storm door to uh, to climb out. And he was yeah. living there at the same time that his brother is living in a cabin
5: <clears throat> in Montana. In Montana, right.
3: Yeah.
5: And <laughs> hey, that's score one for genetics and running in the family. Though.
3: Polish immigrant parents.
5: Uh, the answer was three. Three people picked the Unabomber to die in the John and Ken 2023 group poll. So Good one. Three people did remember that he was out there and he could die this year, and he did. Uh, more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app.
7: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2 of the award-winning film podcast and this time
4: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM
4: 640.
5: Well, tonight, uh, Fox News is scheduled to air in its entirety the interview that Sean Hannity did with Dippity2. I've decided this is another tactic of Gavin Newsom's, yeah. along with the whole mystery of whether or not he's running for president. We've been through that before. But he wants to be the one that's different on his side of the party or the aisle. He wants to challenge. He he's thinks. It's cool he's... that he goes on Twitter and picks on Ron DeSantis in Florida. Yeah. He's not
3: spending much uh, time on uh, California's disaster, is he? I mean, yeah. he's like Garcetti. Garcetti was he's a lame duck, done right? after the first term. Yeah, I know. He just
5: got reelected, though. (laughs) So what? He's done done being governor of California. There's bigger things ahead.
3: Yeah. Uh, Like Garcetti? There's not.
5: Yeah, it'd be funny if Newsom ends up with some ambassador uh, nomination.
3: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The thing thing is, he's, 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 he's posturing. He is just bellowing. But there's not a lot of content, and it's easy to pop his balloon. Because he's not a good debater at all. He's not good at defending himself. A lot of this is indefensible. What he has in California, he just likes to shout slogans. He likes to shout like some aggressive attack and generally run and hide. It's easy to do that on Twitter. We could all do that, but if you really have a, a solid a solid record of accomplishment and a solid set of beliefs that are that are correct, you wouldn't you wouldn't behave the way he
5: behaves. Well, we'll be at the Newsom is maybe running for president desk at 205. They did release some preview clips to try to generate excitement for the full airing of the interview. It was recorded over the weekend, I think, in Sacramento. So we'll play some of them. They deal with Biden's mental capacity and Newsom's relationship with Trump and then the whole Ron DeSantis and the migrant flight thing. We'll get to that after the news at two o'clock. There should be some good stuff in there. Now, John had mentioned this story on Friday, so we did some digging over the weekend, and yes, it is real. Whether or not it's carried out is still uncertain, but there is a plan in Ireland to cut back on 200,000 cows. 200,000 cows to help them meet their climate goals. There is um, an
3: obsession among these uh, religious fanatics with the farts of cows. ...with the methane that comes out of cows. You know, we we all blow out a little methane every day. It's just a, a natural byproduct of the digestive system in, mammal, in mammals. Mm-hmm. But because camels, uh, camels... Cows live outdoors and they eat all day. Yeah. They pass gas all day. And they belch. And they belch. Don't forget cow burps. Cow burps, cow farts, all the gases coming out of the cow, they claim... And I don't even believe this. I, I've I've decided that I believe almost nothing anymore. The idea that that the cows are a big driver of their climate war the, you know their global warming obsession is getting a little nuts. Um they'd like to turn the world vegan. No, easy there. No,
5: they really would. And that's an and important th- distinction because that includes dairy. In fact, I remember growing up and hearing that people loved Irish butter. They thought, and apparently it's become very good in the last 10 years. Uh, Butter from Ireland? Do you ever see the products in stores? Yes. Uh, So that's, so it's not just about eating the meat. It's about the dairy products, too. They want the cows not to exist. Butter and
3: ice cream. You know, all these cows were were, were conceived for the purposes of food, right? So they, they want them not to exist. And... Because, right, you, they can't exist because if they did, they'd keep farting, correct? I mean, they have to eat what they eat. Well, you can't, you can't give them a diet that wouldn't lead to farting
5: and methane. This, this comes from the Irish Agriculture Minister. In fact, John, I'm looking at agweb.com for the latest on this. His name is uh, Charlie McConnell. And he said that they're looking into ways to reduce methane emissions, including the 200,000 cows over the next three years. Now, this would not be mandatory. It will be voluntary. They're actually calling it a retirement exit scheme for aging farmers.
3: Okay, but what happens when... Now, the
5: farmer gets to retire, but the cow retires a different way.
8: Yeah, that's really fair.
3: (laughs) But what happens when they don't meet their goals? Ah. See, this is incrementalism. Trust me, what they want is to eliminate... The dairy and meat cow species—that's what they want to do.
5: I've Why would the agriculture minister, though, in Ireland, want to do that? Because that's kind of what he, he's probably been tied up in all his life. Because he's a progressive kook, is he? I don't know anything about him, but
3: well, if he's behind this, he is. His 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 work is self-explanatory. If you're trying to cull cows because you think cows in Ireland have something to do with your global warming, by definition, you're a lunatic.
5: Well, here's where it came from. The European Green Deal. 27 countries who signed on agreed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by at least 55 percent by 2030, which isn't that far away. So I guess somebody in Ireland said, how are we going to do this? Well, we've got a lot of ag. So maybe our way of doing this versus people in cars. Uh, The premise is stupid. 55% 55% by 2030. Why that percentage? Why that
3: year? Why do you want to change people's life? How much is European cows adding to global warming? Oh, they're not. Zero. For, yes. for practical terms, zero. So and they're only it, talking about culling the herd 10% a year. Okay. That's going to have no effect on the climate. This is what I'm saying. This is like... Religious rituals where you watch weird little tribes go through strange little rituals, right? They wear strange clothes. They wear strange things on their heads. They chant weird prayers. They go through uh, weird dances and, and, uh, uh, and and you know, they march around their churches and temples, whatever. And the whole thing really looks ludicrous if you're not in the cult. The whole thing is just absurd. What are you doing? What's the point of this? What effect is this having on anybody? Nothing. no effect no and that's what this is and and i'm telling you it it is is one of the defining things about humanity in in this era is that uh old-fashioned organized church which is a lot of it's pretty nuts to begin with has is fading away but because human beings need to believe in something they need to have like some sort of spiritual order to their lives they are now worshiping the planet and so the way the way old religions wanted to honor God with their strange rituals. Now we are honoring the planet with our strange rituals. It's, it's exactly the same type of behavior. It's just aimed in a different direction. Rather than God sitting in another dimension somewhere, we're aiming it at the upper atmosphere.
5: So they claim that the agricultural sector of Ireland accounts for 38% of that nation's greenhouse gas emissions. I don't know who does this measurement. Now, who knows if and these
3: numbers are true?
5: And it's the methane. It's also nitrous oxide from the use of nitrogen fertilizer and manure management is part of this. Methane <laughs> gas from livestock contributes to a major portion of the world's greenhouse gases. Methane is supposedly <clears throat> accounts for 44% of total livestock but that's, emissions. But, but that's how you grow food, is with the fertilizer. Well, now you're back to where you started. They don't want you to eat
3: that food. They don't want you to be alive. Well, they... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I'm
8: alive. Huh? I'm alive and well. Thank you very much.
5: I'm very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> now, PETA agrees with that. PETA says that everyone should start taking personal responsibility by saving the planet by going vegan. That's their yeah, position. That's I, PETA, though. I, I, and I, they're I, very upset with this plan. Although, there's a woman from the Green Party in Ireland who says, well, what we're really talking about is dairy farmers not restocking. In other words, they won't add cows at the same level they were before.
3: So and, and, but, right, the no. cows
5: will be retired and they won't die, no. but you don't add new ones. So that's but how the color I
3: occurs. know, but it drives up the price
5: of meat.
3: Oh, and, and people then,
5: still want and, the meat and want and, the
3: milk, and, right, and the butter? And then so pe- what? And then people can't afford it. <laughs> so,
8: so then what? they have alternatives or they eat less.
5: There are no alternatives.
8: There, there are. are.
5: Don't. There there are. There are avocados and That's fava right. beans. No. It, absolutely. Lentils. Garbanzo
8: That's... beans. There's plenty to eat. That's Kale. a decision, right? I mean, look, if, if you want it bad enough, then you're going to pay the higher price.
3: Why should meat eaters be punished with this manipulation?
8: I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> well, I what don't have silence? one that I want to say. <laughs> you jumped in. I gave you
5: the floor, and you just
8: <laughs> i i am i am taking the fifth.
3: Okay. All right. Must be something awfully rude.
5: <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, the other side of this—the uh, attempt at getting people to eat meat alternatives—you won't believe how much this has colossally collapsed. We're talking about uh, some of the purveyors like Beyond Meat. We'll tell you that story coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
3: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
5: Yeah, we're on from 1 to 4. And if you miss anything, you can pick it up. You check out the On Demand podcast at KFIAM640.com or the iHeartRadio app. And leading off the 2 o'clock hour, We'll drag out the uh, one of the latest desks we have. Gavin Newsom is running for president, is maybe running for president, or is not running for president. Take your pick. Uh, he made a big appearance sitting down with uh, the enemy, I guess, Sean Hannity of Fox News He's so brave. in-depth interview.
3: So brave, so courageous.
5: Yeah, he wants to show you he'll walk right into the lion's den, and he'll yeah. take him on, John. Right. We've got to organize. What does it say in this clip we have in the desk? <laughs> from the bottom up, not the top down. Because Sean Hannity is so frightening. <laughs> Wow. We'll see if he uses any. What we have are clips. They're just short. Promotional clips. clips. Yeah, the whole interview runs tonight, and we'll probably have more tomorrow uh, to choose from. But uh we do have a few about Biden. Uh we have one about Biden. We have one about uh, and we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Newsom likes to brag about how great a relationship he had with Trump when Trump was president. I- And then the last one is about, of course, the migrant flights by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The El Segundo Times also did a story on that over the weekend, which is worth talking about, too, next hour. Maybe egomaniacs just have a natural affinity for each other. That could be. Trump and Newsom, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, like you said, they both wanted something, right? Yeah, especially Newsom wanted money from the federal government. It was over the fires when Trump came out here a few years back. So uh, they, they both could look good to use each other. Uh, we were talking in the last segment about a plan in Ireland to cut back on the dairy cow uh, population in that nation to do something about climate change. Four years ago, it was, a company called Beyond Meat. Remember the two biggies, Beyond Meat and Impossible? I actually saw a commercially yesterday for Impossible. I hadn't seen one in years. I was like, wow, they're trying to make a comeback? Yeah. Uh, there was just wild interest in these two meat alternative producers. The idea that you could get all the flavor of a hamburger, but without the beef and the bad health effects of eating beef. There's not bad
3: health effects of eating
4: beef. That well, that's such, how
3: they marketed but it. But that was lies. Everything about this product is lies. It didn't taste like beef. It doesn't have the nutrition of beef. Beef is not bad for you. It, it it's, it's just one lie on top of another on top of another, and this stuff takes root. People. Why
8: health. do so many doctors say to do, not to eat a lot of red meat? A lot. Well, okay, but you but, do. You eat it every single day. Isn't that yeah, a lot?
3: Uh, I don't No. I don't think it is a lot. <laughs> what What's the definition of a lot? Every day. Why? Why is that? Uh,
8: to, I, I, doctors say. What? What? what, what and what, studies show maybe once a week. That's once it. a week? Yes. Not seven days it, a week. It's her
5: plan to get
3: you down to once a Is week. Is it pop- possible my ancestors came out of the Polish caves mm-hmm. and <laughs> most of my family lived long? We've got good genetics when it comes to longevity. It's possible that that, that my tribe, my breed, evolved to tolerate meat hmm. because there was a lot of meat eaters in my family.
8: Anything's possible.
3: Do you have sure. your appendix, John? yes <laughs> okay well there you go
8: i have my appendix as well
3: well the, the appendix was used in, by the cavemen to digest raw meat is that right yes i didn't know that that's Eric,
8: why turn off your own mic no
3: <laughs> that's that's wow. why we have well, an appendix <clears throat> i i didn't know they ever found the reason for an appendix
5: yeah oh well there take that So if we all have appendixes, that takes care of the meat. Is that what the? uh, I mean, I bet it probably helps. (laughs) No, I I, actually
3: I'm I'm being serious. Is that I think different, um, different, let's say ethnic groups, they they evolved based on what was available to eat, where their tribe formed. And I, I think in, in Poland there was there was always a lot of farming going on, and that would be the main source of of,
5: of protein. So you think there's something with Polish genetics that they yeah. can tolerate more meat and not right. get the really? But then you're sort of admitting there can be bad health effects if from eating you, a lot of meat.
3: It's it's it's, it's the old. You're cliche. just saying the
5: Polish may have carved out a. If anything
3: is eaten to excess. You can anything can cause. Any I know. Problem. Then
5: you two debated what is excess. She says right. eating meat every
8: day. Seven? Is come on, Ken. Seven days a week. I mean,
4: sometimes sometimes I
5: think he only eats two meals a day. Am I right? Well, you have a bagel in the morning, so I don't know what that. That's not meat. So
4: yeah, usually,
5: usually just once a day, and it fills me up for hours. I I can't. I can't. But oh, you only eat meat once a day most of the time. Oh, then that's not excessive. Sometimes twice. Seven but days a week. Six. Yeah, days. but once a day is not. Eh.
3: But that you know, see, my 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 son is is heavily into nutrition because he's an athlete, and he says beef has all kinds of micronutrients that you can't get from other protein rich foods, and that's that's one. And it's actually good for your health to have all these other micronutrients in there.
5: Well, now here's one thing we we all agree on: that this idea of these meat substitutes was uh, atrocious, and now. The failure is cataclysmic. Let me just read you this. Beyond Meat went public in 2019. At the time, the company was worth more than $14 billion. Do you know how much it was worth on Friday? How much? $827 million. That is a 95% collapse. Because what, <laughs> whatever they were serving tasted terrible. Now, you never touched those no. fake meats. No. I did. I went to Carl's Jr. and had one of them. I think it was Beyond Meat. Did it suck? it did not suck but it was not impressive and I said I'd rather stick with a regular burger it just didn't really there was something kind of slimy about it and then I think that's the one that has the peas in it smashed peas and stuff and I mean it didn't taste really bad it just did not motivate me and I say this a lot about restaurants you want to come back here you don't want to come back here or are you neutral and in that case I was like I'm not coming back for this it was just well you're not alone not a motivator
3: Beyond meat, its shares have fallen 95% over the last four years. Now, nobody wants to bet any money on this because the product sucks.
5: And They they talked to uh, uh, an agricultural economics professor at UC Davis who says part of the problem here is the way that they marketed this like it was going to cure all. That And this is what you mocked when I first talked about this a few minutes ago, that they were trying to tell people, you can get all the flavor and joy of eating meat without the harmful effects of eating meat. And he said they oversold it. They really gave people a, a bag of crap. Oh, here it is, Deborah Mark. Americans eat about three burgers a week.
8: Hmm. Right, three. So okay, that's
5: above the
3: average.
8: Exactly. Three times a week versus six or seven. That's a big difference.
3: I'm above average in many ways.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: Not just my meat eating. Okay. But this is, a, this is one hysterical blog post from 2019. Americans eat three burgers a week about, but if they switched just one of those beef burgers to a Beyond Burger for a year, that's like taking... <laughs> this is too funny. That's like taking 12 million cars off the road for an entire year. The company wrote that in a blog post <laughs> yeah. in 2019 because again, part of this was also about saving the planet because uh, beef uses water see, and energy. and I, I, th- Those things are silly. There's the methane. I don't believe that. I think they made up that statistic. (laughs) It makes no sense. Why would that's 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 absurd. Well, and I think they mean all Americans. So all all the Americans that eat about three burgers a week if they cut back to two, it couldn't be one one American who cuts back to two burgers. If if we can just completely change humanity.
8: (laughs) Try a quinoa burger.
3: Uh, When, When I understand what quinoa is. I honestly don't. Really I had a get. quinoa
8: salad yesterday. It's delicious. It's full of protein. It's it's like a grain, but it has a lot of protein. And oh my gosh, if you have fried quinoa, it tastes so good. But I have had quinoa burgers because I don't I don't eat the fake meat, <laughs> and no, it doesn't taste like a burger because I don't want the taste of a burger. But it's amazing, and you get a lot of protein.
3: So don't call it a burger.
5: What? Yeah, why definitely. do they insist on calling it?
3: Just a like burger?
8: okay, we're going to go back to the coconut uh, well, it's gonna milk, be soy milk, they, almond they, 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 milk.
5: They put it on the grill, it's in the shape of a burger, so it has kind of that whole... Yeah, no, they're trying to fool people, I, that's what they're I, trying to do. I've been disappointed by most alternative burgers and veggie burgers. Uh, the only yeah, good one I ever had, one. and I've mentioned this before, is Houston's Restaurant had one, and I forget what they put in it, but it had that grilled ch- charred flavor too, which is what made it extraordinary. I, I'm not interested in this. I'm not interested in,
3: in taking 12 billion cars off the road. <laughs> Really. I want to live my life. I don't think they understand how burned out most people are by this stuff. It's just All right.
5: Speaking of burned out, we'll be at the Gavin Newsom is maybe sort of possibly running for president desk. He did do this interview with Fox News' Sean Hannity. We have some preview clips. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.
7: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee.